I remember, um, and maybe this is the case for you right now, I remember getting a bit weirded out by prayer. Uh, it was something that was um, a little strange to me. Now, I was used to praying. Yeah, everybody, I think everybody prays, even those people who say they don't believe in God. I'm not sure who they're wishing and hoping to, but at any rate... Um, you know, I, I used to pray, you know, when I was a kid, certainly I memorized prayers, but they were prayers somebody else wrote. Uh, at night, I prayed, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. I pray the Lord my soul to take. And then I was wide awake because I was afraid to go to sleep because I thought I might die. And, um, you know, that just wasn't, I thought, what a horrible prayer to teach a child. I don't know, maybe not. But um, anyway, the, maybe it's just me. Anybody else ever think that? Pray that one. Thank you. Okay, it wasn't just me. Um, you know, but I would recite the Lord's Prayer, you know, and other memorized prayers uh, with the local congregation I went to at that time, uh, church. And then I came into a relationship with Jesus. And I started attending a church with others who had a relationship with Jesus. But. Um, and they, do, they really didn't do memorized prayers at that church, the church that Jenny and I attended first. They really didn't do those now. And when somebody would pray, they would pray in, in King James English. You know, oh, our gracious Heavenly Father, we beseech thee now with prayers and supplications. Turn thine ear into what, to what we sayest. And, and you see, it, it, it didn't, that didn't help me now. Well, think about this, too. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, you're praying in King James English. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You see, and we prayed in King James English, which is understandable. Again, you don't have to connect too many dots. The Bible we were using then, and the most popular Bible then was the King James Version of the Bible. And, you know, so it made sense that people would pray in King James English. And if you were going to say the Lord's Prayer and it was in King James English, then it just made sense that you were going to do that. Now, I, I was weirded out by that because I had enough problems with everyday English. You know, so now you want me to, to, to try to, to do it in King James, I could pray in Spanish because I only had to add an O on the end of every word. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're ignorant Americans sometimes. Uh, but, but, you know, the, um, uh, the whole thing, I was, just, I was just weirded out, you know, by the whole thing. And then I came to realize that some people actually prayed in regular English. And they didn't pray only memorized prayers. I mean, it, it was different, and, and after watching them and, and listening, uh, you know, I learned to pray by simply talking to God. Now, I, I did that, and I still do that, with the respect that I believe He deserves as God. And part of that is, you know, how I was raised, certainly. But also coming to realize more and more who He is, that respect do Him, but also the openness of talking with someone who loves me. And knows me. And still loves me even though they know me. And being able to speak to God like that. And I think that's the way Paul prayed for the Ephesians. He was talking with someone he loved, God. And he was talking with him about someone they both loved, the Ephesians. 
Let's pray now, and then we're going to get into looking at Paul's second prayer in the book of Ephesians. But let's pray. Father, you are a God who allows us to come to you so incomplete. Oh, that's the only way we can come to you. I remember trying to think that I could work my way and, and get myself better, and that just didn't work. Lord, you're the only one who can, make me, who can make us better, and I'm very grateful for that. I pray that you would continue to unfold the reality of not only who you are, but your love for us as we look into your word this morning. That we would come to grasp more fully uh, that part of that understanding of what it means of what it means to have a relationship with you, which is that one of love, of care, of of compassion, of concern. And Father, I thank you for the fact that you had your word recorded so that we could look and learn more about you. So use your word today in our lives, uh, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, so if you're using the Pew Bible, turn there at page 1077, 1077 in the Pew Bible, or else your own Bible or your iPad, telephone, or whatever it is. Or if you're Kent and you have it memorized, then you can just call it up in your memory. You think I'm kidding. Ask him afterwards. I'll recite it for you. Um, but anyway, the uh, you know, Ephesians chapter, but he forgot that he was doing the offering. See, so that was okay. <laughs> he can remember the Bible. That's all right. Remember the Bible. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Drop down to verse 14. Uh, and we're going to jump in at verse 14. Here, this is, the, this is the passage that I think where Paul really prays for the Ephesians. In, um, it, when we were looking at, at, the, at the chapter, at the one last week, it, he, pray, he, he talks about prayer, but he was telling us what he was praying. Here is where he really prays for the Ephesians. You want to pray for somebody. Here, this is a, a great passage for you to pray if you're ever wondering you want to pray for me sometime pray these things for me and just put my name in where you know where where he fits there uh, as we go along uh, uh, so keep that in mind verse 14 ephesians chapter 3 he says for this reason i kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named i pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit and that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love, and to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him was able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church and in christ jesus to all generations forever and ever amen what a great prayer what uh, what what a, i've prayed this for people and i've asked god for this for myself too but prayed i've prayed this for many people the first phrase that you see there in verse 14 he says for this reason now you know what's the reason if you look at the verses just before you're not going to be able to tell because what we have it really pulls us back to verse 1 of the chapter where you find the same phrase for this reason and what happens then in verse 1 after verse 1 when he says for this reason then uh, from the rest of verse 1 through verse 13 Paul is really interrupting himself 
He goes off on a bit of a tangent. Probably a squirrel ran by or something shiny caught his eye. I can identify with that. Some of you can't, but I, I certainly can. And so in verses you know, 1 through 13, he's off on a tangent talking about other things. But when you look at verse 1 and he says, for this reason. Now this reason that he refers to there reflects back on chapters 1 and 2 where he expands on all that God has done in believers and in his uniting both Jew and Gentile, which in their mind covered everyone. In their minds, there were, there were no people outside of Jew and Gentile. That is, that is how they thought. And he's saying that all of those people, anyone, they were united in Christ. And this is what he's talking about in chapters 1 and 2. All those blessings that are ours in Christ and then what, you know, that, that, that privilege of being united in there. And so it's because of all that God has done in Christ then that Paul says he bows or kneels before the Father. The normal position for a Jew to pray was to pray standing with his arms raised and his palms turned up toward God. That was the normal position for a Jew to be praying at that time. And what Paul says here is that, you know, he kneels, he bows before the Father. That word implies a a, a deep religious movement in worship and respect for someone. One of the translations that I was looking at, one of the translators uh, translates it uh, as prostate, prostrate, prostate. (laughs) Get that out of your mind. As prostrating yourself. I told you I have trouble with everyday English. Prostrating yourself. Before, if it helps you remember, that's good. Um, but, you know, to, to prostrate yourself, you know, before God. And to come, you know, come before him in, in that expression of deep submission to God as God. Not to, you know... When I told you that I, when I when I pray I, I I try to pray always with the respect that to do that's do God. Maybe you're one of these people that prays and thinks that you know you can lecture God because you're mad about something. God listens and you know God understands, but man, I just think. Who do you think you're talking to? I can remember sometimes speaking with less than the respect I should have to my mother. And I can remember her saying to me, who do you think you're talking to? Your friends on the street? She was right. Sometimes we approach God, and what he should say to us is, who do you think you're talking to? And we need to, this word conveys the fact that we are talking to him with that deep submission of realizing he is God. He is God. Yes, he's your friend. Yes, he's God, though. 
And we need to approach him with that respect. We're told in several places in Scripture, you know, that one day every knee will bow to him. Ephesians, Ephesians, Isaiah chapter 45 says, By myself I have sworn, truth has gone from my mouth, a word that will not be revoked. Every knee will bow to me. Every tongue will swear allegiance. And then in, in Romans 14, perhaps this is what Paul was thinking of when he said, For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, and every tongue will give praise to God. And the one we're probably most familiar with in, in Philippians chapter 2, it says, For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, every knee will bow. And see what it says there at the end of, at the end of these verses. To the glory of God the Father. Now, if you still have your Bible open, and I hope you do, look at, look at verse 14. Because what he says right there in verse 14, uh, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from, uh, from, every, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Verse 16, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory. According to the riches of his glory. Now drop down to verse 21. Verse 21, what does it say? To him be glory. In the church and in Christ Jesus to all gentiles. This prayer, this prayer that, 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 that Paul is praying here, it starts and ends with a focus on the glory of God. He starts with the focus on the glory of God and he ends with a focus on the glory of God as he's praying this prayer and unfolding it. You know, it, it, how do we pray? How do we pray in and for the glory of God? I think we get some direction by what he says between those two those two phrases where he's focusing us on the glory of God. L- look at what he's saying there, you know, in, in Ephesians. You know, it, it, the first request, the first request is really that we, you know, that is that we pray that the Spirit will strengthen your inner man. That the Spirit will strengthen your inner man. Your inner man, your soul, your spirit. That immaterial part of you that makes you you. That makes you unique and distinct and different. We focus sometimes on the outside, and you know, and on, on the outside, and they talk about that identical twins. Really, there's some slight differences, even identical twins. We had identical twins in the in the church in Riverdale when I was there, and they were um, Mandy's age, and uh, James and Jeremy Zanicki, Z D Z I N I C K I Zanicki. Just take my word for it. Uh, and James and Jeremy, they were identical twins, except one's face was slightly rounder than the other. But I could only tell that when they were standing next to each other. I could only, I still couldn't tell you which one was which. But um, they were different. You know, they were just like that. And, and we focus on the outside sometimes. But you see, this immaterialist inner man is that which makes me me, which makes you you. This is what he's talking about here. You know, it's it's our our, our reason, our our conscience, that immaterial part of you that lives forever in eternity. Our body passes away. Scripture is very clear about that. Our body passes away and returns to dust. The inner man remains. 
The inner man remains. One of the passages uh, when Paul's writing about, he refers to this body as a tent because it's a temporary dwelling. It's a temporary dwelling. Yeah, and, 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 you know, the reality here that that inner man, most of our prayer focuses on the outer man. Most of our prayers focus on the outer man. You know, our, our health, our positions, our problems, our tasks. But he pulls our attention here to the inner man. He says, praying, you know, in and for the glory of God, you know, that focuses on God's power at work in the inner man. His power at work in transforming that part of our being which controls our character, which determines our choices, which, which directs our actions, that inner man, which pulls us and, and, and directs us, you know, that he says that, that you might be strengthened in that inner man. I love this passage, this part here too, because you have a glimpse of the Trinity at work in our lives. Notice what he says. He, Paul asks the Father that he would strengthen, you know, that, that, that he would be strengthened through the working of the Spirit. And he says, so that Christ the Son might dwell in our hearts through faith. You have a glimpse of the Trinity at work there. And he's praying, you know, that it that, that would be in, involved in our lives and would strengthen us and strengthen us in the inner man. All of God working on all of what we are. And notice the result that's desired there, that, you know, that Christ the Messiah will dwell in our hearts, in the inner man, by faith. By faith. Now, he says, that will dwell in your hearts. Now, dwell, dwell, that it, it speaks of a long-term residence, not a temporary one. That God will come as that long-term residence. Dwelling speaks of being completely at home. We helped Dean and Debbie move yesterday, and they are, you know, living with boxes now. Um, and... Debbie's looking for stuff that she can't find um, and probably will be for months. And I was thinking as we moved them yesterday how grateful I am that um, it wasn't me. We've been in our home one year and 11 days now. One year and 11 days ago, I was living among the boxes. But over the last several months, really, is when it has started to feel like home. It didn't feel like home at first. It didn't. I mean, we were the ones who, you know, chose the floor plan and all of that stuff. And, you know, we had a bit. And, but it just, it didn't feel like home. You know, we moved in, you know, a year ago we had boxes in every room. The garage was in chaos. Now, you know, we can get both cars in the garage I'm responsible for that part, so there's still a little bit of chaos there. Uh, but there's no, we're not living among boxes in the rest of the house because Jenny's in charge of that part, and uh, she's much better at these things than we are. Um, over the last year, we replaced some of our furnishings with things that actually fit this house because it's different than you know the house we lived in before. We have pictures, different pictures on the walls. Some of them are the same, but some of them are different. You know, stuff hanging on the walls and all that. 
Jenny put stuff in the kitchen cabinets when we moved in, and we've relocated some of them, you know, because uh, we just thought it would fit a little bit better. Yesterday, we rearranged uh, the, the, the kids' room, you know, for where our grandkids spend most of their time when they come and where they sleep when they spend the night. Uh, you know, we, we, we got the patio enclosed and back, and we bought some patio furniture for the chairs out there. Uh, now it's home, you see, because it's taking on our character. Uh, previous to that, you know, it, it, it's gone from this box where we had our stuff to the place we dwell, to the place where we live together, where we enjoy life together. That's the picture of Christ dwelling in our hearts by faith. You know, praying in and for the glory of God means that Christ will dwell in our hearts and we will be transformed more and more into that dwelling where he will feel welcome, where he will feel at home, where he will feel comfortable. From glory to glory, he's changing us, is what Scripture says. Paul says, continue to work out your salvation. It's that continuing to, to see and understand of what it means to have this relationship with God and growing in that. We don't change in it. We, we, we change in an instant in the fact of, of our standing and our position and our, our location of where we're going to be spending eternity. But we don't change in the fact that we're still here. And we still have these habits we had. We were talking about this in Sunday school a little bit. You know, we still have these habits of the way we talk and the things we do and all that. And some of it takes time. And it takes time to, 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 to weed it out of us, if you will. By the power of the Spirit at work and strengthening our inner man, we get rid of all that offends God and we develop more of what is in line with His character and His being. His character. His being. We get rid of those things that offend God. Not necessarily those things that offend other people. Now, understand what I'm saying with that. What I'm saying with that is some people are easily offended. Oh my goodness, are people easily offended in our society now? Oh my gosh, it's like I can't, I can't, I can't keep up with with rearranging my life so I don't offend somebody out there. You know, I mean some. It talks about the offense of the gospel. That better be the only offense really that comes from me is that offense that comes of the gospel. But what we're talking about is, is living and having our lives in a way that they don't offend God. There's the connection that we need to focus on. There's the connection that he, that he prays about here. Is that connection with God that, God, that, that, that Jesus will dwell, feel at home, feel welcomed in our hearts through faith, that relationship of faith with him. And again, let me remind you, everyone in the world lives by faith. Everyone in the world lives by faith. Some people say, I don't have any faith. Yes, you do. Atheists have faith. They have faith there is no God in that, and they have faith that however they think everything came to be, that that's how it came to be. It's, 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 a, it's, it's still a life of faith. He says he prays that, we, that God will dwell in our hearts by faith, and by that his, his spirit working you know, will be more and more in line with him. And then it begins to work out from us as we pray to be uh, rooted and firmly established in love. When we moved in a year and 11 days ago, we didn't have grass. We had only mud and rocks and weeds. Now we have a lawn 
And, and actually, also what we did is we planted some trees on our property. Jenny and I have been watching them do work to extend the uh, subdivision, you know, and build more houses out there. And what the first thing they do is they come in and they cut down all the trees. And then they come in and they rip out the roots and all that stuff. And uh, so now all the homeowners are paying to put trees back in. Um, and so that's some of the things we did. We, you know, we, get, we bought some trees and put them in there. And uh, right now, though, you could walk around the side of my house and you can grab those things and you can pull them out. Because really all they are is they're, 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 they're trees that were going somewhere else and they're stuck in a hole in the ground. And what we're doing is we're working to get them rooted and established there. Now, my lawn is rooted and established because when the guy, when the landscape guy, uh, you know, put the, he came, well, it was about in June, I think it was, that the mud became dry enough for them to, to do something with it. And um, so they, you know, they came by with a tractor and drove around and, you know, made all this dust and mess and everything else and spread seed and fertilizer down and covered it with straw and then came and gave me instructions. Just like they do with the trees, the trees, they gave me instructions, very specific instructions on how they want me, how and when they want me to water it. They gave me very specific instructions on how and when they wanted me to water this, this grass seed, this mud and straw and fertilizer. And then he told me when he wanted me to fertilize it again. He said, you know, after 40 days, then here's what you do, and you go and put this on there again. And, and, and so since then, I have been doing it, and then I noticed my neighbor across the street's grass was greener than mine. Hey, that's how it works. His yard, looked, his yard and my yard uh, both looked terrible. And all of a sudden, I was over there, and I thought, dude, your grass doesn't look terrible anymore. What would you do? He says, I started fertilizing it once a month. Really? There's a novel idea. I started fertilizing it once a month. You know what happened? My grass is pretty green. And it's a lot thicker than it was. And all the stuff, you know, and you put in that work. And you know, here he said, to get it, to get it established. You know, to get it established is, is, you know, is what it says. And, you know, so I followed the instructions, you know, that the landscaper gave me. I, I watered and I followed the instructions on the fertilizing. And then I got the fertilizer and I looked and saw what it said about fertilizing. And I put the fertilizer on. Just how it said on the instructions. Okay, you know me. I put it on a little bit heavier. Because if, if some is good, more is better. Um, that doesn't always work with fertilizer. But it did this time. And so anyway, so now the, the grass is in there and it's, and it's rooted and it's firmly established. Now we understand that with grass and with trees. But we get to our relationship with Christ and we think it just happens. That it just happens. If we're, going to be, if we're going to pray to be rooted and established in love, then we also need to act in a manner conducive to that prayer. You need to put in the effort. Every, every single Christian, every, every person in a relationship with Jesus needs to have a regular time of reading, thinking, discussing, and praying that will get you into the Bible and will get the Bible into you. Because in the Bible, we learn about God. We hear about God. We see God's character. We see his love. And we, everybody who claims to have a relationship with Christ needs to have a regular schedule. If you're not writing that down, you need to. You need to get it in your head. You need to have a regular schedule of getting into the Bible, of studying, and reading and praying and getting into the Bible so that the Bible gets into you and you can understand more of who God is and his heart for you. 
And you say, I don't have the time. You're right. You don't. Because we live in a society that just has way too much to do. You don't have enough time to do everything you want to do, period. You don't. But you know what you'll do? You will carve out the time to do what it is you want to do. You need to carve out that time to regularly spend time in God's Word and getting God's Word into you. Yes, that means you may have to set something else aside. Just like you do when you want to do something else and you have to set something aside. Because there's, well, I don't know. I'm an overcommitter. I realize everybody isn't. And I commit to too much. You know, I have too many things to do too, you know, too often. And that's my own fault. And that's one of those things. You know, and everybody's life isn't like that. But anybody just sitting around wondering what to do? I haven't really met anybody like that. My grandkids don't even sit around wondering what to do. They get up and do something. There's always stuff to do. You have to intentionally carve out that time and make sure that it's there. Not, not, as, not as, God, see what I'm doing, now bless me, but as understanding you know, what it means to be rooted and firmly established in love with him. You know, we need that input. We need that input from God, you know, that will inform us and will transform our faith and to help us grow to be rooted and firmly established. And the love of God is the next focus of praying in and for the glory of God. You know, and, and that's that we need to pray to comprehend the full dimension of God's love. Andy, it's not going. We need, there it is. See, all you have to do is say that. Uh, To comprehend the full dimension of God's love. That's what he says. That we may be able to comprehend, see how I got that? So we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height of depth. That full dimension, the the width, the height, the, the length, the depth of God's love. A deep appreciation and understanding of God's love rarely comes to someone who is not spending time in God's word because in the Bible we see the love of God unfolded as he sweeps in with creation you know and he ushers man into this perfect environment created for his enjoyment created for spending time and interacting with the living God and walking together with God and you see that picture there and then you see God's love reach out to protect and guide man over and over even as man foolishly rejects God's love and tries to do things his own way and God continues to reach out in love and we see man as we read in the scriptures struggle with what he sees and experiences in the world and he cries out to God for help who responds with love and support to help man again and again and again And we see, as you read through the Old Testament, and you will see that as they walk with God, and then all of a sudden they begin to become independent of God, and they begin to do their own thing, and they begin to fall into sin, and they begin to chase chase after things that draw them away from God. And as they do that, and then they find themselves in a bad place, and they turn and they pray to God, and He again accepts them and loves them and helps them to grow and helps them to know and helps them to understand as He reaches out to them in love when they turn to Him. And in the Bible, you see God come down to earth to personally lead man back into a close relationship with him. That relationship that he started with at the beginning of creation. 
And despite man's rejection, God continues to love. And we see some respond to God, and God entrusts man with his mission of sharing that love with the world. And the more we read, the more we understand the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love. And we begin to be so transformed by his love that we become new people. He says, and behold, all things have become new. We become new people as God continues. We realize more of who he is and that love has that effect in our lives. And we begin to live more in and for the glory of God as we really come to know the Messiah's love. As we come to know the Savior's love. Because as we see and we, as we see the, his love more, we, we become grateful that Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but that he set aside his right to stay in heaven. And he came to be counted as a sinner, even though he himself knew no sin on his own. He came to be counted as a sinner to pay that price for us. And as we read his word, we become overwhelmed by the truth that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, before we even cared and realized who he is, before we even knew of his love for us, he died on the cross for us. And we begin to know that love that surpasses knowledge and understanding. Not that it's unknowable. You know, not that it's unknowable, but the fact and the reality that there is always more to know about his love. And and to be able to grasp that. And the purpose of praying in and for the glory of God is so that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's at the end of verse 19. That we might be filled with all the fullness of God. The thought is, you know, the thought there is that we might be permeated by Jesus and that we will be marked by his character. As we begin to understand more of who he is and his love for us, we are marked more and more by his character. One of the realities that my son-in-laws have come to realize is that my daughters look like their mother but think a lot like their father. They were raised by me. Well, and their mother, which took off some of the hard edges, which is a really good thing. Uh, you know, and, and we were all amazed when Pete and Jess got married and the girls looked at me one day and said, he turned into you. You see, because the more time we spend with someone, we begin to be like them. And sometimes that works out good. And, and be careful here because sometimes it doesn't work out good. Because I will tell you, too, one of the things my mother used to say to me when I, would, you know, when I was saying things and being disrespectful to her sometimes, and sometimes she would say to me, who have you been with? When I was a little kid, who have you been playing with? Because of the way I was acting, you see. Who you hang out with influences your character. 
And so we pour our, our, our lives and our time into that relationship with God. And you see, and then what happens is we begin to be filled with all the fullness of God. We begin to be permeated by Him and, and have His character. The thought that we can have a relationship with Jesus and yet be unaffected, the, the, the thought that we can have a relationship with Him without becoming more and more like Him is ridiculously illogical. It's foolish to think that you can have a relationship with Him and that there will be no change in your life. Because then you don't have a relationship with Him. You have some kind of religious thing you're doing. And that's not the relationship with Him. What happens, you see, is we want to experience God's power so that we can be in control. That's what we want power for. That's not what He prays for here. Paul prays for the power so that we can be controlled by God himself, so that we can be filled to all the fullness of him. You know, it, it's a, it, it is possible to ask for good things for the wrong reason. We can pray to God for power, you know, but we can ask for good things for the wrong reason. And sometimes the wrong reason is because we want to be in control. We should be praying this so that we can realize, so that we can understand more of who God is, and so that we can be filled with all the fullness of God. We become more interested in our comfort than our holiness, though, and God is more interested in our holiness than our comfort. Because you will truly only find comfort as you grow in that holiness of God. That's why he says, Now to him who is able to do above all we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church, And in Christ Jesus to all generations, now and forever and ever. Amen. You see, this prayer is for us, to all generations. This prayer is for us to bring glory to God. Let's pray together.